0: This is Michael Beller, producer of Miles More Madness. Today's episode of Miles More Madness is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank
1: welcome to another episode of miles more madness tim miles is joining us from milwaukee tim how's it going You got Marquette and Providence tonight.
2: Am I correct? You are correct. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good game.
1: Yeah, and so Tim's coming to us from the road. He's got no microphone. Apparently his headphones do not work because he is cordless, even though I'm old school. I got the cords in. I got cords going all over the place here in the uh, Moore offices. So uh, apologies if we have any audio trouble today, but... I, Tim, I, at least we, we've, we've gotten a little feedback, and um, th- the way I understand it, people want more of me and less of you, or maybe it's I'm too quiet and you're too loud. I, I can't remember. I think it was the first one. but um,
2: I think it was the uh, volume only. I think it was my uh, volume was, too, was greater than, and they wanted to bring uh, your volume up. So when you actually did speak, at least they value the fact you have something to say.
1: I appreciate that people want to hear me. I do. I, I read it that they wanted more of me and, and less of you, but but maybe I was confused. My reading comprehension's not so good. So uh, glad glad people are listening. We're gonna try to get this audio thing figured out, but uh, you know today's not the the greatest day to to judge us. There maybe because you know Tim's on the road and uh, he he apparently he can't pack anything when he when he goes on the road. <laughs> is, is that right, Tim?
2: Well, if you've ever seen a yeti microphone, it was it'd be like. It's kind of uh, thick. Yeah, it's kind of big. It's kind of. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, well, how, so you go from there to, uh, where are you going after that?
2: How about a 6am flight tomorrow out of Milwaukee, ending up in Cincinnati to do Xavier Seton Hall, which would be another very good game. And I just had, uh, Il- Illinois and Purdue, uh, where Illinois just really took them apart piece by piece the other night on Sunday. So three games in four days.
1: So you broke Purdue. Woo!
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the hit. <laughs>
1: that was that was that was rough, but um, yeah, that that one surprised me because Illinois hadn't been playing great, but uh, they just took it to Purdue. So uh, I, I got a I got a debate I want to to uh, to use you to help settle in a way. Um, was arguing yesterday with another writer friend um, about plus minus and um, basically who was a better defender, and he cited plus minus as a um, key statistic in his argument and, uh, kind of using it against me. Cause that's something I'll use sometimes in my writing. Um, and I realize it's not an end all be all, but, but how did you, uh, I'm curious as a coach, did you use much plus minus? How did you incorporate it, um, into your game planning, how you handled rotations? Um, has that, has it ever changed through the years?
2: Well, I would say that, that, Plus minus would be the lowest common denominator. So, when you look at that, um, you know that's that's that doesn't tell the whole story, right? But it is bare bones information. Uh, But but the lowest common denominator, even though it's part of the equation, isn't the whole equation. That's your math lesson for today. So uh, so my point is, what we would do would be lineups. Right, and so we would do exactly. the entire lineups, and 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 judge that way. Uh, so, in a way, you wouldn't just the plus minus wasn't the end all be all because that plus minus can tell you a different story because it could be a pair of guys, it could be, you know, one guy just n- never in there. It could be your best player uh, that you need in the game to run your offense and your point guard could have the worst plus minus, and then you could look at his lineups. And uh, he was just paired with a couple bad lineups you know, that weren't as bad. So I think you need to look at lineups. You need to look a little deeper. Uh, you know, I, I like value add. I like, uh, you know, on, on Sports Ref, the, the, uh, the per 40 you know, type of stats mm-hmm. of a guy. And then the win shares, defensive win shares, offensive win shares uh, are all there too. Uh, uh, value add is kind of a win share thing. Uh, and um, <clears throat> just tell you the story on offense and defense, that marriage and who's better. And it's it's uh, it's I, I want to say it's more complicated than a plus minus. The plus minus uh, what I say is 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 one way to look at it, but I think it's an incomplete story.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good way to use. Um, I'm with you with the lineups. Like for instance, um, you know I write a lot about KU, obviously, um, and I've been looking at you know when KU goes big, too big look. KU's big lineups versus their small lineups is, is something I've been keeping a close eye on this year. Um, and, you know, obviously their smaller lineups are performing in a much higher level. So I think um, lineups is, is the key to look at. And sometimes, um, like for the particular guy I was arguing for, I'm sure that he has played, you know, early in the year was maybe playing some minutes with the walk-ons, late in games. That can really muddy up your your plus plus-minus, you um, score, if you will. So anyway, dada, dada, and the, the other thing he used was, was synergy, uh, their defensive synergy numbers. Um, I feel like, you know, I think synergy is a valuable tool. I think the one thing that maybe it's toughest to judge a guy on is the defense because you don't know, hey, is that guy getting beat a ton? Um, maybe that's not going against him because he's, you know, his guy's beating him and helps come in and maybe the help defender gets tagged on, on that play how much would you look at those synergy defensive numbers um when
2: you were coaching I don't think I ever did I think I just looked at my own numbers uh uh synergy you know is a mass quantity just think of anything where, that they're putting out this is not a knock I I use synergy all the time don't get me right but mm-hmm. not for analytics uh they're getting better they're doing more Uh, and as things like shot tracker which are you know the data chip in the ball and things like that they can even do more as if everybody did it but uh, they've just got guys cutting up film and and judging this that or the other thing Uh, and so I don't I don't use their data that way I use a lot of their video and I like the way they chop up their video but uh, I, I would do my own numbers and you know we would we would just do it by hand sometimes if we're scouting or we, or we have our own lineups, our own analytics in house, uh, for offense and defense. But when we're scouting, was, we just do it by hand. What were some of the things you wanted to track the most? Oh, well, I always did points per possession. I mean, uh, offense and defense, we do rebounds per minute, uh, then we chart things like on offense screen assist, like you know who, or, or and the hockey assist, the extra pass, the one more. Uh, but a screen assist would be something where, uh, you know, a guy set the screen to get a, a man clearly open into a into a shot to try and reward the screeners too and let them know we're paying attention. Uh, I think those things are important. Uh, and then on defense, like everybody, uh, attempted charges, diving on the floor, tips, deflections, blocks, steals.
1: So it wasn't just uh, an assist that led to a bucket. It was an assist that led to a scorable opportunity?
2: Yeah, the screen assist was actually a uh, a scorable opportunity, but an assist was an assist. Yeah, the I pass like was the pass.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I, li- I like that for the, the screen because I think – um, I, I like, you know, cause obviously the result isn't always based on like, you know, maybe somebody set a great screen and guy had a layup that they miss and maybe then they put it back in. Um, you know, I, I like that the, that you're rewarding the, um, the process more so than always the result, right? Cause it's, cause sometimes you can be doing the right process, but the result doesn't come right behind it, even though. Um, it's just as good a screen as if a guy
2: scored the bucket. Um, so, so I like the fact that. That's why we also did the um, attempted charge, because we couldn't depend if if the if you're just in position and let's say you just had a heel on the line and it was a good defensive play, I want to reward that. If it was a wall-up where your feet are inside the charge line and you're jumping straight up and the guy still scores over the top of you, that's a good defensive play. Um And, you know, you want to stop them, right? And so all of those things, I think, matter. So those things are charted and rewarded or talked about. Um, And I think there are elements in the good defense that eventually, you know, happen, uh, but it's always going to be an imperfect process. and There's always going to be mistakes. So I think Mm -hmm. you have to account for all that too. That
1: that way you don't have to um, rely on the three blind mice, as, as Bob Huggins put it, uh, <laughs> you know, giving you the uh, the charge or not, you can you can judge it for yourself. <laughs> did you see Did you see Hug, Hugs lying the other night? Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: that might cost him a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of dope. Letters of reprimand plus, you know, I, I just think that what's interesting to me is a an official can make a mistake and get taken off a game, and you never hear about it, but a, a coach says something and, uh, you know, they fine him or reprimand him publicly all the time. It's just, I mean, I get you have to protect the refs some, but, I mean, there's uh, – uh, and they're good. They're, they got a tough job, you know, but we really go to extreme lengths to take care of our officials in the college basketball business.
1: <laughs> how, many, uh, how many fines would you say you've gotten over, the career, over your career from, from your leagues?
2: I think I – I don't even think I have a lot of reprimand. Really? Good for you. Yeah. I must be easy to work for. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, but you did get booted from an SA tournament game, right? There's only two other guys that have. <laughs> Who are the two? Larry Stacey. And I got the other one. You ready? You got ready? Uh, Dean, Dean Smith against Kansas. In the final four. Yep, yep. All right. So, uh, let's, let's get to some, uh, some games from, from this past week, um, past weekend. Um, the first one I want to talk about is, uh, your boy Craig Smith, um, had some, had some nice moments against San Diego state, but San Diego state pulled it out. Do you think San Diego state is going undefeated Their Uh, their toughest game, um, schedule-wise, is obviously now behind them with with that one getting past uh, San Diego State, or sorry, getting past Utah State. Um, Looking at their Ken Palm projections, I think their lowest um, chance of winning a game the rest of the way is 66% in the finale at Nevada. So what do you say, Tim? Do you
2: think they are going undefeated? Well, according to Ken Palm, their chances of an undefeated record are six percent, six point four. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's that. First of all, that tells you there's a ninety five percent chance, ninety four percent, ninety three point six percent chance they don't go undefeated. I mean, it, when you just look at the odds of a team every night in, every night out, it's it's so unlikely. Nine and a half out of ten times, they're not going undefeated. And and so, you know, I, I I would be stunned if they go undefeated. But I will tell you this. That is a as good a San Diego State team. And I've had a chance to see, you know, them up close and personal, even with Kawhi Leonard and all those guys. Sweet 16 runs, all that. Uh, that's as good a San Diego State team as I've ever seen. Uh, and that's, you know, Steve Fisher. Think of Brian Dutcher. Brian Dutcher's dad was a coach in the Big Ten for how many years? Ten years uh, at Minnesota. So from the time he was a little kid, a little shaver, you know, he he's running around the Big Ten, right? And all these games, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, every week it's, it's Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. You know, it's just those are normal things to a guy like Brian Dutcher. You know, not me, you know, but... Then he starts in the business and at a very young age, catches on with, with Bill Frieder in Michigan. And Steve Fisher's the, the assistant there, too. Fisher's already, you know, done his time in high school and everywhere else. And, and, and then in 1989, they win the national championship. And Frieder has accepted the Arizona State job right before the uh, NCAA tournament. He's been, in, well, he interviewed for the job. And Bo Schemblechler was so mad that he essentially fired him and said, we'll only have a Michigan man in place and put Steve Fisher in charge right before the NCAA tournament, who went all the way to the championship game and won it with Glenn Rice, I believe. And so, so now they get the job. Dutch is there for the Final Four or for the Fab Five and the two Final Four runs. Which, you know, still the fact they were, you know, that's kind of like the Derrick Rose vacated to me, where they vacated, you know, post-mortem. You know, apparently one of the guys accepted money. Still happened. Yeah, but yeah, well, and and they did, like, like you accepted his, you know, uh, Derrick Rose's ACT score, and now we don't accept it. Or, you know, this guy, the season was over and he took some money, so we went back two years and wiped out every game you ever played in because after the season you knew you were going pro and you took some money. Come on. it's like almost like, really? And and so, you know, so then Steve, you know, loses his job, uh, goes and reinvents the San Diego State program where Dutch is right by his side. And now he's playing. And in the summer, Dutch and I had a phone conversation. And he says, now, Timmy, I got a squad. I've got a squad now. And if you knew how Brian Dutcher spoke and the way he he rat-a-tat-tat quick talk and and he's right i mean when when he says he's got a squad you have to start thinking about he grew up around the big 10 with his dad you know he was part of it as an assistant winning a national championship and then the fab five and then all these years at san diego state they've been terrific and when he says i've got a squad like he's not just saying i got a squad he's like he's looking at a different perspective and and that's what i love about brian dutcher and so a long story Short. I don't think they go undefeated, but that doesn't mean it. I don't think they go going in as a top two seed or three seed, at least two seed probably, um, and uh, and they're they're gonna you know like one of those Wichita State runs or whatever it might be. They've got all the elements uh, that can get them as far as they want to go uh, in the postseason. And Mensa didn't even play the other night, and he's a terrific mm-hmm.
1: player. And they're they're just uh, exhausting to play because you know that, that long offensive possessions, um, then defensively like they don't give you anything. Like they're they're just so sound. Um, you bring up Wichita State, I I almost see a little little Fred Van Vliet and Maca- and Malachi, uh Flynn. You do you see any of that? And and Matt Mitchell, man, he was terrific the other night too. He's he's a tough cover.
2: Yeah, Flynn might be a little more offensive minded, you know, in terms of scoring a ball. Uh, more aggressive, yeah. Yeah. And a little quicker and longer, but, 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 you know, I mean, but we all know what we see in terms of the type of player, which is this guy's a star. He's a quarterback. He's a leader. He's all of those things. And he's a big shot taker and a big shot maker. And Fred Van Fleet was all of those things.
1: And um, you know, I thought Utah state played them tough. Um, I wonder if that game's played a month later um, if it's a little different, you know, Kata played, um, I thought he was pretty good. Um, Utah State actually outscored him when he was on the floor. And, um, I, I, you know, I think that as he gets his, he, he played 30 minutes, but, um,
2: he was a little winded at times. Didn't you think? Did you, did you go watch it? Well, I watched it. Uh, of course the first eight minutes I watched while driving down the, um, the interstate, uh, in Illinois. <laughs> That's safe. But I, I really, San Diego State just got off to that really quick start. You know, they got way yeah. up on them, yeah. uh, and and you know, and after that, it was a pretty even game. Uh, but that's what you have to do on the road. You know, get a big lead, keep scoring mm-hmm. if you can, and they did. And so I think you know, when you looked at Kata, what hurt them is just that start. Because after that, I thought he did a he did a really good job. But all the same, yeah. um, you know, it's unlikely. You know. It, even though they're favored in every game, uh, you know, coming out that that they go undefeated.
1: Yeah, I'll be watching that February one rematch. I know it's going to be at San Diego State, but um, you know, hopefully Kata stays healthy, and uh, by that point he's he's back to to his old you know full full speed, and and uh, it'll be it'd be fun to watch them with with uh, him at full strength, and um, you know, it wasn't. Um, took a little bit for Sam Mer- Merrill to get going and uh, if he, he would come out you know hot from the start maybe maybe it's uh maybe Utah State can go in there and and, and get the uh, the upset um, when they go to San Diego State so uh, but I'm with you I think that um, San Diego States really good I don't know that their talents like so overwhelming that they just look like oh they're just going to run through the the Mountain West. I think they're going to have a really really good record in the Mountain West, but I I, I do think somebody's going to jump up and get them at least at least one night. Um, so you know going from from San Diego State to another team that is playing excellent basketball um, and and to let's let's quote Denny Green again um, is Michigan State who we thought they were. You want to crown them the champs? I, I i think i might if i if i could go back and edit my uh big 10 pick um sorry ohio state we'll talk about you here in a minute but um i think michigan state is the uh the favorite again and uh the, they probably are who we thought they were in a way in a way i've i've, I've got a little bit of th- thoughts on that but but what, what do you think of the way michigan state's playing right now the the cashiest the cassius winston that we we've known to to love and you know love to watch he was i mean he was just phenomenal the other day against Michigan watching him pick apart Michigan using ball screens um it it, it was a clinic that that was about as fun to watch a single game performance from one guy as as you'll
2: see in college basketball no question uh, a couple things i i i I have feelings on Michigan state and one is that the death of uh Cassius's brother certainly affected that entire team and him a great deal. And, uh, you know, just the way it went down and, and, and suicide is just, you know, I think we just saw it out of a, another high school recruit, a Georgia Tech recruit. And, you know, young people are, are struggling with anxiety and, and so many different things, uh, just emotionally. They, you know, young people are getting more information now you think of their ability to use phones and get information without the understanding of how to process it than we ever did. Uh, The best thing that ever happened to us growing up is that we had no access to information. (laughs) So we had to learn how to deal with other people where now they have all this information and they don't even have, and they can communicate with other people without really having to deal with the emotional toll of it. You know, like you say something wrong to the bully, you get clocked in the face. Now you can bully people online and not even use your real name. So there's a whole bunch, and I'm not saying you know. I'm just saying the, the the whole generation, the IY generation that that you know we that smartphones have given us have have really construed a whole new set of problems with our young people today. That's this whole gist of that, not specific to anything, but um, but you know you just feel like even though you know it. You know, his, the death of his brother, of Cassius's brother, you know, seemed to go away in a hurry, like within a week. That doesn't mean for weeks and weeks that doesn't still hang on you and hang on your teammates and, and, and your teammates see you struggling or whatever it might be. So I, I think that that's one thing that we can't understate the emotional toll of young people, whatever it might be. Um, and this is just a specific situation. Uh, you know, Purdue could have one situation, Rutgers another you know, whatever's going on in those locker room in those young people's life, we still have to still remember, they're still breaking up with girlfriends. Uh, they're still um, struggling with anxiety or or depression or even confidence. If we just go in a minor, if we don't get too deep, we just say they're just struggling with their confidence, finding their way, so to speak, with independent living and, and all of those things. So there's still young people trying to find themselves and they're under this huge magnifying glass. I said to Matt Painter the other day, I think team defense is harder to build um, at high majors than it was when I was a small college coach because everything's under a microscope. With um, under every game's nationally televised, if we had a bad defensive night when I was a small college coach, it was on the radio. I could come back and lie to the boosters that it was the refs that did us in, you know, and they'd believe it, Um, you know. So you can protect your team sometimes, you know, and show them the video you want to. But when everything's scrutinized on national TV and Podcasts and, and I already did an XM, uh, Sirius XM uh, radio uh interview this morning. You know, it's just different. So, one is there's this incredible scrutiny with them. Uh, and I think that, uh, that that you know, the weight of expectation like they're going to be national champs. Oh no, you know, now we're we lose right away first game of the year. And then, you know, there's this accident with Cassius's brother. It's a lot to take on. And now they're playing great. But I think the other thing is maybe finally um, the injury of Josh Lankford maybe caught him. So Josh Lankford coming in, double-figure score as a freshman. You know, third-league score with Miles Bridges and Nick Ward and Cassius was there. And I still forget uh, Jer- Jaron Jackson was there. Like all kinds of dudes, right? And And so there's Joshua. Then he goes down the next year after a few games. And now he comes back, but you got Matt McQuaid. And so they were able to survive and they made a pretty good run. And and uh, now this year they need him. And now those other guys, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, just aren't quite those scorers like Matt they're, They don't have that. They're not as old, first of all. And, and they're not guards like Matt McQuaid was, uh, who actually had even played some point guard for Michigan State besides two guards. So I think finally that injury you know, kind of caught him in a spot where they didn't you know they they had trouble recovering but now other guys have stepped up into other roles and and boy they look really good.
1: Tim did the the mental health stuff and um this just ge- generation um did it change how you coach how you handled kids um from early in your career to to recently like have you um Made a change, like you, you realize. Okay, I've got to handle kids differently than I did um, back in, you know, nineteen ninety-five. Um, now in two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty, um, did did you at one point be like, all right, or, or have anything that happened that you said, okay, I've I've got to change how I how I do
2: things in a way. Well, you definitely have to change with the times, and there's no doubt. You know, I've tried to do more things than ever to change uh, and adapt. Uh, to young people, and you know, uh, put myself in their shoes and understand what's going on, and you learn a lot as you go on. But and this generation is different, like I alluded to earlier, uh, and so you have to adapt to that. Uh, I don't think there's one defining moment or statement, uh, you know. And and at one time we lost four guys to transfer, and I thought maybe it was me, and and uh, that I you know was you know was tough on them, but there was a lot of different factors I think as I look back on that uh, that that led to all of that stuff. So, uh, I, I mean, I think you have to adapt, but there's not one defining moment. I don't think, uh, that ever you said, oh boy, I better change who I am. You just, you just try and stick with guys and you, you can't please everybody. Uh, and you, and you still, the coach is still, you know, we're not equals. Coaches and players aren't equals. There's still gotta be an authoritarian figure, you know, in life mm-hmm. and parents are different, you know, parents are. You know, you you hear about types of parents, helicopter parents or or bulldozer parents that try and, you know, get all the problems out of the way of their kids. And kids still have to grow up and they have to make their own mistakes and they have to win and lose. You know, the friendship bracket doesn't last. The snack league doesn't last forever. Are you a better sports parent because you've had to deal with sports parents all these
1: years? (laughs) No. (laughs) I feel like I am. Like, I feel like I have a a better – grasp of uh not being so crazy because i've been around it for um you know most of my career whether covering you know covering or you know playing as a kid um I, I feel like i have a little bit better grasp on on reality but um apparently you, you're just as crazy as the rest of them yeah i am
2: I'm bad at a lot of things and parenting and sport parenting is just a couple of them <laughs> fair enough. All right. So, uh Michigan State,
1: back, back back to the Spartans. The the one concern I still have for them, um they're playing, you know, they're playing great and that other other day they were awesome. Um shooting still a little bit of a concern for me. I, I I still think um you know, you mentioned not having Lankford. Um that I feel like they need like one guy on the perimeter besides Cassius who is a real reliable shooter can, can give them buckets. Um, you know, the one other guy from three who's shooting well is foster lawyer, but he's the backup point guard. I don't think he's going to start playing a ton. Um, you know, I thought that the other day, um, the freshman, uh, Watts, um, what's the, what's, what's that kid? Yeah. Yeah. Rocket Watts. Um, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was good the other day, but if you, if you look, he's shooting about 24% from three, um, Mm -hmm. I think they need you know like one one guy to step up and be a consistent shooter next to Cassius but but other than that I mean they they're really long on the wing um I think defensively they're going to keep getting better and better um Xavier Tillman's playing really well and you know the combination of him and Cassius they're they're really good everybody's got flaws um they aren't absent you know flaws but uh they they're playing some pretty good
2: basketball Yeah they got healthy in the last in what I mean by health. Rocket Watts also was injured by the way but they got healthy shooting in that stretch from, like, uh, Northwestern and the Eastern and Western Michigan games. And and then Michigan, they shot it about 45% from three. So they have, they have done that better. But that's also four straight home games for them with their fifth straight home game coming up. Uh, and, uh, and that would be four, no, four out of five conference games at home. Is that right? No.
1: Yeah, four out of five
2: conference games at home, which is highly unusual. You know, how how they pulled that one off, I don't know, but nice job. <laughs> it's like Duke has played their first road uh ACC Big Ten challenge game in the history of the, they I think they just played their first road game in the challenge ever. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. I mean, that's pull, man. That's pull. That's that's getting it done.
1: So Tim Miles didn't have uh, all home games in the Big Ten A C C challenge? Nope. No, Timmy, we're going to send you, he... you to <laughs> somewhere. Did you ever get uh, just bumped out of that challenge
2: entirely? Yeah, it would have been this season. Uh, Coach Hoiberg this didn't have him either. in there, yeah. and we were due a home game, so hopefully they'll get that home game next year. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was not happy.
1: Maybe that was a Hoiberg slight. That wasn't a Tim Miles slight. Yeah, maybe he, that yeah
2: maybe he said, that, we're going to wait. Yeah, he probably pulled that off. I, I think it was already <laughs> scheduled that way, but – but you know they never. it Basically, it's like this: it, you say, "I don't." Are we scheduled in this? And they're like, "Oh, we're not. We haven't finalized anything." Which is kind of like your parents saying, "We'll talk about it later," or go ask your dad, which is another way to say no. All right. So
1: another uh, Big Ten team who who I did think who I do think got to play in the challenge, but is uh, is going the opposite direction of Ohio State or of Michigan State right now is Ohio State. Um, hasn't been great lately at Maryland tonight um out of those two t- teams who who do you trust more what do you think is up with ohio state
2: well as you recall i i picked maryland to be the champion uh a couple weeks ago and i said they're going to galvanize uh when the twins left them and uh uh-huh. and and so i, I you know it's hard for me to pick against them but also earlier in the year you know i mean you took my pick with ohio state i still think ohio state's a terrific team uh they have, a, you, know, I, you know, they had the game in Cleveland that they lost to West Virginia, which you and I actually announced on our podcast as a home game. We were incorrect. Uh, uh, one thing I have seen is... The- you announced that. You announced that. I just let it go. I knew it was in Cleveland. <laughs> well, thanks for correcting me anyway. You know, I mean, picking me up a little bit. When you look at, you know, any... That's on, that's on Stat Boy, Tim. Okay, thank you. Uh, Anytime they've had any kind of injury, they've lost so far. Earlier, Dwayne Washington's hurt. uh, They lose at Minnesota. Uh, Last game, Kyle Young's out, and and they lose to Wisconsin at home. And so, you know, that's one thing that's interesting is they've they've got it down. But, you know, I think as you look at some things that they – they are going to be a player right down to the end. This is their, you know, you look at their schedule. Home against Penn State, they drill them. On the road, they lose. Then they go, uh, a couple days later, they beat South, Southeast Missouri. Uh, they, then they beat Kentucky and have eight days off. They go, and at that time, I don't think West, West Virginia was quite as, you know, like as recognized as good as they are. And Bob Huggins has got a great team in West Virginia. Boy, they all I know that they covered the other day. I don't they didn't win the game, although they probably should have, if they get any kind of breaks, you know. Any kind of like normal calls. Right. And and now Wisconsin, I think, was a big surprise where Wisconsin again playing better since they added Micah Potter. Michael Beller shout out.
0: Thanks, guys. Go Badgers. Love the way these guys have uh, turned it around here over the last couple of weeks.
1: You had so much faith too, Michael.
0: Oh, the most. Don't yeah. let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah, we we know you had faith.
2: Um, <laughs> I believe he said all the way to the Final Four, as soon as they beat Tennessee. Me and Big Frank will be there. I'll join you.
1: All right. <laughs> so in in, in Hotlanta this year, I believe, right? So uh, let's 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 make we we need to get miles more. Uh, sorry, miles more madness on the road at the Final Four. I think we need to make that happen. Um, But, uh, West Virginia, by the way, hugs, complaining about the refs. Um, I will say I need to rewatch the game and West Virginia offensively was on the opposite side of where I was, um, in the second half, I was on the other end. So, um, I couldn't see, you know, I didn't have a great look at at all the, the stuff that was happening under the basket, but, um, I'm not so sure about the uh, the the three blind mice. I I will say there was one weak leak officiating that day, and uh, that can affect some things.
2: But um... well, just remember, just remember that you know the coach for half the game has the same view you do, which is they're way on the other end. You know, I mean, from one of the halves, and and so I saw it the other night, Brad Underwood. It was hilarious. So something happens. At the uh, basket, way underneath, and his team's defending. It's the second half, and he's just livid about the call. He can't believe it was like out of bounds or a jump ball after a rebound. And Brad would have had to see, you know, 45 feet through nine bodies to to see the call correctly. And he's just livid. He can't believe, you know, that that the refs got don't agree with him. You know, and it's just kind of funny watching it with no emotion you know because i've been in that same boat hundreds of times yeah you know, in a season that you're you know you're always kind of you know looking out for your guys and the government's a good place to start when you want to start blaming people
1: yeah you just you just assume you're getting screwed right <laughs> that's always the assumption um but but uh where, where, where was i going with this okay ohio state i think um i think how they can get right They need more out of DJ Carton. Um, He's sort of hit a a freshman wall, three points in the last two games. Um, I think they need a perimeter guy to go along with with Caleb Wesson who can, you know, get them buckets, kind of one-two punch type thing. Um, You know, Wesson's doing his part, but um, I think Carton, you know, it's a lot to ask of a freshman, but I think he's probably the most gifted guy on the perimeter. Um, if they can get him going right again, I think you'll you'll see them playing playing well again. So, t- tonight, big game to watch at Maryland. Uh, there's some some great games tonight. You, you know, Tim, obviously you've got Marquette Providence should be fun. Uh, Baylor on the road at Texas Tech it will be one um, I'll be paying a lot of attention to. Um, Missouri's got Tennessee. Um, Villanova at Creighton, I thought about going to that one. Um before I, uh, I'll, I'll be hitting up Kansas at Iowa State tomorrow night. See if the uh, Cyclones can can somehow get something going because they're off to a uh, they've had a bad bad last couple of weeks. But um, Kentucky at Georgia, another interesting one. So a lot a lot, lot of fun games tonight. Um, and then Tim, you you've got a busy week. Where, where are you headed after Cincinnati? You got anything this weekend?
2: Well, I just want to wrap up DJ Carton. By the way, um, nine turnovers his last two games. Five turnovers in their loss at Minnesota, so you're you're exactly right on on, you know he not only not scoring but just playing well, Uh, that's really important. Uh, So I've got Providence, uh, Marquette tonight, and then I hustle over to Cincinnati and I've got Xavier Seton Hall, which will be a great game in the Centa Center on Wednesday. So you can catch that at FS1, folks.
1: Tune in, listen, listen to Tim, because you, you know you don't get enough of him here. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us. We'll be back later in the week. We'll pick, we'll pick some games, talk some more hoops. Um, it's been fun, Timmy. Stay efficient, America.